0: Hey guys, I'm Calvin L. Williams, and this is Documenting the Journey. We talk to operations and thought leaders about what are their greatest challenges, what they did to overcome, and what are they most excited about for the future. Join us on this journey and run a better business, create more value, live a better life, and be inspired by the spirit of continuous improvement. I am extremely excited. This has been a long day, but this is definitely the crown jewel of my day. I'm here with Katie Anderson, author of recently released book Leading to Learn, Learning to Lead. Did I get that backwards?
1: You got it backwards.
0: It's learn <laughs> I knew I was gonna do that. <laughs> learning to lead, leading to learn. Is that right?
1: It is right.
0: Okay, okay. I'm still learning too, Katie. I'm still it's learning. Right. Okay? It's, it's both- a process. It's
1: about learning and leading and leading and learning. It's like a it's it's a never ending cycle and so you could be Leading to learn and learning to lead—it doesn't really matter.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I definitely want to spend some time diving into that because it's a fascinating story and style of delivery for a book. Seems much different than what we're used to from Mm -hmm. Lean and CI books. So, but before we do that, how you doing? How how are things going for you?
1: I'm great. Although, as you know, we just had a quick uh, pre-recording chat. It's a bit of a crazy day for me as well. But uh, yeah. It's all good. And this is a highlight of my day, too. I love talking to fellow CI practitioners and enthusiasts and spreading the word, too, about this, this book that I've been working on for the last two and a half years. So it's really exciting.
0: Well, good, Katie. I am honored that you decided to spend some time with me tonight and have this conversation. So I really appreciate that. So you're you're probably the brightest star in the CI community right now. Wow. Yeah. You you you've done some great work here. And I, I really want to understand your story a little more. Tell me a little bit about your background. You know, I know you, you graduated and went into uh, coaching and facilitating and some other things. Tell me how that part of the story unfolded up into the, the, the your recent project.
1: Sure. So I'll try and do the, the fast version. But I had a a first career in public health policy, actually. I had my master's in public health and spent many years working in academia and thinking I was going to pursue my PhD in research and teaching, which I, there are many things I love about that. But I took a, a career change pivot when I took a job at what's now Stanford Children's Hospital in their performance improvement department.
0: Interesting. Okay. And
1: so that was my link, you know, it was a public health connection there. I'd come from healthcare consulting as well. And it was in Stanford Children's early days where we were starting with some like 5S projects and a few dipping our toes in the lean way of thinking and I got really excited about how the tools and the techniques, this is, you know, back in the early 2000s of, or the mid 2000s of lean really were about engaging the people who do the work yes. to come up with the solutions, to their problems. And I just loved that.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: and sort of My lean journey paralleled the the children's hospitals lean journey. I got more excited about um, learning more concepts and asked my boss if I could get some training. And so I went out and I was sort of the, the alpha tester for for the company, I'd go up to Seattle and get some training and then bring it back. And so as I was learning, the organization was too. And it just was so impactful for my, for my own learning. I ended up working with probably like, I don't know, so many different departments almost across the entire hospital, learned a tremendous amount about hospital systems and healthcare, and also what it meant to be like a CI consultant practitioner within an organization. And came to this realization a few years into it, I think we all did, that if we went in as the expert CI problem solvers, like I love solving problems and it's super rewarding. But if I went in and I solved the problems without really engaging the leadership of that group and helping teach them, then when I went somewhere else, we we, the, the sustainability hadn't been set. Exactly. And so we really started to see our role as shifting from being like the problem solving experts to really the coaches to problem solving and continuous improvement in the organization. And it was just so tremendously rewarding for me and in some ways, really connected back with that academic fire within me about learning and helping other people learn. After about six years at Stanford Children's, I took a, a different, more senior role at another local healthcare organization, which was also super exciting and working at a, you know a different level with strategy and running a team. And then I retired from my my what I might call, call my corporate career and started my own coaching practice in 2013, and it's been. I uh, haven't looked back since then. So it's been really really a thrill.
0: That's a fascinating story. Just listening to you, I could tell that you are you are very uh you're an excellent coach. I know Karen Ross, I've met her once or twice actually. Once yeah. in once once live and once virtually. She's fantastic as well. That's awesome. Really appreciate what you guys have done. So what would you say, I mean, you you hit on a couple of key learnings from that experience. What would you if you can boil that down into one major takeaway what would you say that that one thing is?
1: Oh my gosh, it's so hard to say any one takeaway but I would for me and it's been one that I've had to practice through my whole life but specifically about being a coach and a CI practitioner is connecting with my purpose in that role which is not to own the problem solving but to help teach and coach other people. to solve the problems that they own that's powerful so how can i be a better problem solver of the problems that i have ownership for and then how can i help other people frame their purpose frame their problems and be more effective at solving them sort of getting out of that habit of telling and getting more in a habit of asking and developing i guess a greater i don't know if sophistication is the right word but a better skill in being able to identify where different learners are at, do they need more directive teaching in a moment or are they more advanced in their capabilities and and showing up and just being more sort of open coaching can be very helpful for people in that, in that place.
0: Wow. Just love that. So tell me about, I, I, I'm just anxious. I want to get into the book, right? Cause yeah, well, <laughs> I, realized
1: that, also, I forgot to tell, I mean, I kind of ended the story in like 2013 and yeah. then I had this incredible experience, which is the segue to the book.
0: Right. Okay.
1: In 2015, when my family moved to Japan, had this totally incredible opportunity, which happened to be for my husband's job. We got a transfer for his job to go to move to Tokyo. And for a, you know, a CI practitioner who follows the Toyota way, this was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I had met Mr. Yoshino, who was John Shook's first boss at Toyota, about six months before we moved to Japan and at a conference. And it was like total serendipity of this this encounter. And it's, it's completely altered the trajectory of both of our lives and created this amazing friendship and partnership, um, professional partnership together. But I moved to Japan and Mr. Yoshino had said, you know, come come out to Tokyo City or to Nagoya. I'll take you to Toyota City and go to Toyota Factory and we'll spend some time together. And I was super psyched. I mean, like, yes, oh my God, <laughs> like one of the Toyota senseis. I made my husband take the day off of work and uh, we jumped on the bullet train and went down to Nagoya. And what I thought was going to be a one-day, you know, once-in-a-lifetime experience turned into be this incredible relationship that's resulted in the book "Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn."
0: That's incredible. So, what was he like? I mean, because he's he's a little bit older, right? Did he approach you as a sort of coach-coachy type of relationship, or mentor-mentee type of relationship, or? Was it just strictly mutual as friends?
1: So, you know, I so Mr. Yoshino is 76 now. Yeah. And he uh, and actually you can learn all about his life in, in the books. I start when he is a little boy and discovers his passion and his goal for moving to the United States. But he wasn't showing he was just showing up as a genuinely interested person in other people. Mm. He, he is one of the most caring and connected people people who wants to help. And so he met me at this conference and found out that I was moving to Japan. And so he said, he just said, yeah, I'd love to spend the day with you. He didn't know who I was, but he knew that I was continuous improvement practitioner who was moving to Japan. And so just that's just the, the generosity of his spirit. And he likes to help and host people and be connected and develop relationships. But I'd say that he did not set out for our relationship to be one of like coach and mentor to me per se he was just genuinely interested in talking with another someone passionate about continuous improvement and leadership who had spent time in the us and, and now in japan and and really i'd say that the sort of the rhythm of our relationship was developed in that first meeting where we just had a lovely conversation and he gave me permission to write about our conversations on my blog at the time Hmm. and he wrote me this email, which I quoted um, verbatim in the preface of the book, which was really an honor to me. He's like said, you know, you say you've learned from me, but I've learned from you the questions you asked to help me think more deeply. And this is after our first meeting and that's just what's continued and amplified. And, you know, we talk almost weekly and have Oh, my gosh, for the last many years, if not weekly, biweekly, you know, <laughs> but it's it's been incredible.
0: That is fantastic.
1: And as I got to know him and his stories and his experiences and ha- I was having these really, you know, profound and intimate conversations about nuances of his life in the Toyota way, I just. I just felt like the broader world would benefit so much yeah. from hearing his experiences too, and that was really the driving factor for me in, in writing this book. And so grateful for him to be willing to go deep into the past and his reflections, and and to really offer that to the world.
0: So that that's a great that's a great segue. I, question that's been on my mind. So there's from 1991 on. There's been a ton of lean books out there, right? Some of them are excellent books, some of them are pretty good, and some, you know, have their own category, right? So what's different about this one? You know, what? why did you see a need to introduce another lean book to the world Uh, What can we learn here that we haven't learned already?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it was really clear for me from the beginning that this book needed to be based in stories and not based on like a how-to book. Mm. I felt like I had benefited personally so much from hearing the richness of Mr. Yoshino's Reflections and Stories and, and things from history that we hadn't even known about, like the ConPro program in the late 1970s, and early 1980s, that really was the initiative that embedded A3 thinking is the management practice at Toyota for communication and, and problem solving. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, people need to hear this. <laughs> but I did have this pivotal moment. Oh, it was probably about a, a little over a year ago when I actually had sat down to write, we had been doing purposeful interviews for over a year, and I had in my head that I was going to write this book that I knew I wanted to be based in stories, but I thought it would be like 10 leadership principles would be like, you know, each chapter would be sort of a different principle or practice. And then I'd have little vignettes or stories through there. And i felt like it was becoming one of the other i don't know just sort of the how-to lean books Hmm. and i was like this is i'm not having fun writing this yeah i don't think i'd have fun reading this like we have i don't we don't need another book like this right right and i did some thinking and talked with some colleagues and friends and and came to give myself permission that what i wanted to tell and what i felt like others would benefit from was really hearing the stories as they unfolded for Mr. Yoshino, as a learner and a leader, and then a leader who's always learning. And so just to tell the stories in their completeness, some are shorter vignettes and some are longer multi-year you know, experiences in his life. Summations. Yeah. And, yeah. and to just let the learnings come from the stories. Interesting. Rather than the other way. And so this is really, it's part biography, a memoir yeah. and a leadership book and some history. It all rolled into one.
0: Man, that is so cool. So you touched on you touched on it a little bit, you know, the title, mm-hmm. right? Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. I said it. I got it right that time, didn't I? Yeah,
1: you got it. Okay. Up. I'm, giving you the, I'm giving you the thumbs up. I'm learning. <laughs>
0: See, I told you I was going to learn. Uh, so... Why the title though? You, you sort of touched on it a little bit, but tell me straight.
1: Yeah, so I, I had, the book had no title for the longest time while I was working on it. And then last fall, so this would have been like fall of 2019, I was kind of getting towards the first pass of a complete manuscript being done, although there are many revisions have happened since then. And I didn't have a title. I had used the words learning to lead and then leading to learn as sort of subtitles for some sections in the book. And they just kind of were, I was sort of sitting with them and really liked them. Although I started with a working title at that time called Practicing Hansei. And Hansei is a Japanese word that means reflection Reflection, or or self-reflection. I was really immersed at that point in sort of the meta story of this book is the practice of reflection and the partnership and reflection that Mr. Yoshino and I went through together Mm. to create the book. Interesting. Um, But I was concerned about using a Japanese term in the title. I didn't want it to be something that was confusing for people. Yeah. I'd uh, be like, what what is this Hansei thing? Or did it seem like something other than? Sometimes people are turned off by the Toyota production system and other things because of all the Japanese words that are used. And I, I was thinking about, okay, well, what's this book really about? That's the meta is about reflection and the power of reflection for learning. But this, the book is really about how to be a better learner and how to be a better leader. And how can you pull these two together in a cycle of learning and leading to really create a, a people-centered culture that is focused on leading and on learning. And I start the book off with a quote uh, from Mr. Yoshino that the only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning.
0: Wow. And so uh,
1: I just yeah, it's it's so true. He said that to me in one of our early conversations. And so I went back and I pulled out all those um, those elements. So to me, it was just the words learning and leading just kept coming back back to me. And I said, you know, this is really what this book is about. And then I have included little boxes at the end of every section where I bring in the practicing hansei because I add like reflection questions. So it still snuck it in there.
0: I I get a sense of almost like a a reciprocity, Mm -hmm. right? Like a boomerang effect um, in humility that comes with, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm I'm the leader. I'm in the position of authority, but I respect the fact that I don't know everything and I'm here to learn from you. Yes. As well as supporting you and being successful in what you're trying to do. Right. Um, Absolutely. I I get a sense that that's very core to his nature. Do you think that was core to a lot of the leaders in Toyota?
1: Yes. Well, so it's interesting. And discover this a little bit throughout the book that, you know, certainly Mr. Yoshino does not consider himself like he he uses a very, very sort of typical Toyota leader or manager. He actually doesn't even like the word leader because he's, you know, not the top CEO Mm. suite level. But when I frame to him that leader in this context is about, you know, leading at all levels and being the type of person that people want to follow, not just being a manager. Mm. Wow. Okay. I guess I I am a leader. Yeah. He's both typical of, of many Toyota leaders, but also not typical. But there is this culture of, he calls it the chain of learning that's passed down about how to behave as a leader and how to support other people. But certainly as you'll discover in the book that he had managers who weren't in this model. Mm. So it's not like all Toyota managers are great leaders, but certainly they put intention to cultivating a certain type of leadership style in the 70s and 80s and beyond. That is what we consider more of this Toyota leadership model that, that Mr. Yoshino would fall into in the spirit of Mr. Namoto, who was a very influential leader at Toyota at that time. But it wasn't always that way. There is definitely a harsher leadership approach that prevailed for a long time at Toyota. But they made some intentional choices to move towards more of the model that Mr. Yoshino is in.
0: You know, you mentioned one of your own key learnings going from being a consultative type where you have a standard of the way things should be done and you sort of go in and... <laughs> kind of a top-down, almost like a, almost like a command and control way of helping companies. This is what I think you should do kind of thing. Giving them the answers almost to going to a more coaching type of approach where you're asking questions and helping them develop their own mm-hmm. solutions to the problems. And it seems like, you know, to do that, you got to divorce yourself from the tools, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, having the expertise with tools sort of gives you Maybe a sense of authority to where you can tell people what to do and how to do it it's to some extent. But it seems like at Toyota, they have a very different attitude toward tools and the role of a advisor, coach, leader type position. What were your learnings around how how they looked at, you know, talent development, problem solving versus the way a lot of us have originally learned? lean and continuous improvement.
1: Most of my knowledge about Toyota is from working with Mr. Yoshino and hearing his stories and, of course, visiting Toyota and and suppliers on my Japan study trips. But from what I have gathered from both my visits and then, of course, my conversations with Mr. Yoshino is that tools are there to help support solving problems, but that they don't lead with the tool. And in fact, Mr. Yoshino will highlight, you know, they didn't hire consultants to come in and fix their management problems That in the late 1970s. They gathered an internal team who used their own best thinking to come up with a program, the ConPro program that then taught these thousands of senior managers how to think about A3s and mm. how to do problem solving. Uh, Mr. Yoshino often talks about, you know, don't worry about the exact like format of a certain tool, lead with the principle, lead with the thinking. If the tool fits, great, but if the tool doesn't fit, don't use it. <laughs> and certainly there you know, in my experience, I found that it's helpful to have different, you know, I'm gonna use the proverbial tools in my toolbox because it can help me teach people at certain times when they are stuck of different ways that they might approach looking at a problem or solving a problem. But we need to start with the principles and the basics of what's the problem that you're trying to solve or what's the target, what's the gap, and then really understanding what, what tools fit there. And I also think that people often go and see the artifacts, like go to Toyota and are wowed by the artifacts right. of all the visual systems. And I mean, it's truly amazing going to a Toyota factory. Yeah. But we see the sort of the tool that they used or the process they used to fix a certain problem they had. And we try and replicate that exact same thing, but without the underlying principle. And there, we're, we're, therefore, we're really missing... The meta. This, Right. Yeah, really, really missing the fundamental and, yeah. and the reason behind it. Right. So we, I, we've we done it backwards. We focus, we focus too much on the artifacts, the tools and like push those yep. rather than really deeply looking at the uh, the principles and practices. And so yeah. I'm encouraged that I feel like we're getting more and more back to the principles. Yeah, I think so, too. And leading with that and leading with leadership. But the, the tools are great and important as well. But they need to be first. You got to start with the principles and then bring in the right tools.
0: What did you learn from ISAO? that you wish you would have included in the book?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we were at, I was adding stuff to the book like up to four weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah.
0: That, I know. Right.
1: Right now, today, there's like there's nothing. Um, oh, great, man. <laughs> I, that's awesome. I, I, well, I we we were really working in partnership and continue. It was amazing. It, it, we, I'm, I'm like laughing here. But, you know, we were talking you know, weekly or every other week. And, you know, he'd st- still be remembering new things. I'd be like, that's amazing. I have to add that to a- the book. Right, right. There's a certain point, like, two months ago, I was like, oh, man, we can't add anything more. Like, gotta- <laughs> but I think I might have snuck in, like, a small little, like, new one. Yeah, I did. I snuck in. He said something where I was like, that's an amazing little element that, like, right. really important. I'm going to sneak it in. but. Now we laugh and say that okay. So anything new that comes out, it's either going to be like just some additional blog posts or some white papers or like additional collateral. There you go. I have on my website a way that people can sign up for the like, the additional material, and I even said there may be some new things that come out later. <laughs> yeah, right. Sign up here to be informed, but the book is the, the the book is a moment in time, and we just have to let it be. There
0: you go. <laughs> so, the the tell all yeah. version is going to come out in in two
1: years. I, I put in. <laughs> pretty much everything. I mean, there are a few stories he didn't uh, want to have put in print. He's happy to share them uh, when, when you hear him in person, but
0: right.
1: he didn't want them in print. But basically, so much that I learned from Mr. Yoshino is in that book.
0: Yeah, good. So on on the note of learning from doing and even learning from leading, writing a book is an act of leadership, definitely an act of you know, subject matter authority and sharing what you've learned on your journey. What did you learn about yourself? throughout this process?
1: That's a great question. One thing I learned about myself, which I would say more of it's relearned about myself. And that's, mm. a, that's a word I use a lot in the book, relearning, um, yeah. because Mr. Aquino says he learns and relearns a lot. Yep. I relearned and rediscovered or it was confirmed for me that I am a heavy reviser. Mm. In my college freshman English class, the lecturer told us, that, you know, there are two sort of primary types of writers. You're either like a heavy planner or a heavy reviser. Well, I I knew I always was a heavy reviser. I'm someone who has to, like, let it all out onto a piece of, not a piece of paper anymore, you know, just let my fingers fly, just get in a document and sort of figure the structure out through multiple revisions um, rather than having this very clear structure. And then I just, like, pop it in. And I always wished I was that way, but I wasn't. And, like, this book, uh, this, this book definitely confirmed that for me and this was a book of true PDCA after PDCA after there it PDCA. Is. Um, but that's that's the way I write, and that's that was reconfirmed for me. And I guess the other thing for me through the process of working on this is really about how there's this phrase that Mr. yashina first said, and that I've really um, taken to heart. Actually, Karen Ross and I have adopted it as our Katie and Karen's coaching community uh, motto that one plus one equals way more than two. Hmm. And the power and importance of collaboration and partnership. Obviously, I wrote a book about Mr. Yoshino, I couldn't have done it without him, but really the number of people who were tremendously helpful to me in asking questions, in reading early chapters, in helping me navigate the, the publishing world and the writing world and, and how we just can accomplish so much more when we um, leverage our community and invite more people in to help us.
0: That's incredible. I just assume you you had some type of improvement kata going for yourself, right, in the process of putting this together. So you mentioned like, you know, a lot of these were blog posts and then you sort of formatted them into the book. But tell me tell me about your own personal improvement kata and probably self-coaching kata that that you did to to get through it
1: so i'll, I'll use the the word kata okay uh, in its true form of or like original form of the word which uh from japanese which means routine or practice there you go okay and i have uh i've developed a strong routine of uh of self-reflection and learning and really understanding. So this is not like the, the quote unquote Toyota Kata, but really connecting with what's my purpose, Good. what's my intention. So what's important to me? And I call this leading, living, and leading with intention. Like what's important to me inside, either on the on the on the macro level. You can't see my hands. I'm a big I'm a hand gesticulation uh, <laughs> speaker. It's a bad thing about podcasts. Um, so on the on the on high level, like what's my greater purpose? Or for this book, like what was my purpose? in writing this book, what was I what was really important? And then how do I align my behaviors and actions to achieve that purpose? And Mm. then I also brought that down to like a daily or weekly level. And um, what are the things I needed to do to keep moving forward and to not lose sight of the real purpose in creating this book? Yeah. Uh, And so for me, my kata is about connecting with intention and aligning behaviors and actions to achieve my my purpose for that day or my purpose in life. And so that's been really powerful for me.
0: What's your routine like for that? Is is it like a daily routine, weekly? Do you have a uh, kind of time blocked off to do that? How's how's that work for you?
1: Well, it happens. Sometimes it happens more structured uh, in a more structured way than others. At times when I have been more structured, which is the practice that Karen Ross and I help teach people to practice in our K2C2 coaching communities, that that. To write down sort of what is your intention for the day what were the key things that you wanted to do Hmm. or that would be in alignment of achieving that intention, and then just having a few minutes of reflection at the end of the day on on how you did with that yeah um i've almost incorporated it's you know and maybe this goes back to like that's the starter kata right it's become almost just habitual for me to connect with that every day and just say like i have a like moment pause in the morning where i'm looking at my calendar and thinking okay so what what are the most important things I need to accomplish today? Not just for work, but for my family. You know, we were talking about our our families earlier. You have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old right now. And what are the things I need to do for them? Where am I going to fit in fitness and exercise for my day? That's always important too. And figuring out how I'm going to align my behaviors with the things that are really important to me about my personal life, my professional life, and my health as well. And then just... Taking a moment at the end of each day to be like, how successful was I? What was my level of stress? If I was like super stressed, then clearly, <laughs> clearly I wasn't, wasn't successful in something. So what do I need to adjust? So it's, it's almost like become just habitual uh, part of my daily practice of just reflecting on what worked well and what didn't and Good. what do I need to adjust? And, and I call it having an intention pause. Like having those moments throughout the day where you remind yourself of what is my intention here. Okay, what? How can I let go of all the things that are not aligned with that, and and really be focused and present in the moment so that I am achieving that.
0: Good. I've been toying totally with the, with the concept myself, and I've actually started doing it unintentionally, but now it's becoming more intentional. Called a a power hour, where mm-hmm. I actually walk myself through what I call check, reflect, plan, and do. Right. It's it's PDCA, but it's First I check the result of what I did yesterday I try to do daily improvement. Then I reflect on what I learned from what I did, what result it produced, what what was the outcome? What's the the difference from my hypothesis? Then I Mm -hmm. plan, okay, what am I going to, you know, what's my hypothesis? What am I going to do next? Am I in alignment with my bigger vision? And then do it and then give it, you know, the next day before I come back and go through the check reflect plan and do again.
1: That's great. And I would say that it's too, it's too bad we call it PDCA because it really should be CAPD. Yes. Uh, you you know,
0: think so too? I thought I was weird when I thought
1: <laughs> reflection. It starts with reflection. That's actually in the book. I put it in because we start See, reflection at the it beginning. Is. See, I'm, I'm
0: learning just from hearing your voice, right? Yeah. I'm learning things you're not even saying. From
1: <laughs> no, You you already knew it. You already knew it. You're just I'm just yeah. confirmed that you're you're not alone in uh, yeah. in that correct.
0: <laughs> I just told him myself that I have to get to the book. It's on my reading list. I promise by uh, right. by the end of August, it's, it's going to be a done deal. So um, all right,
1: fantastic. I want to hear what you what your reflections are. And uh, I'll be curious. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd be happy to share that with you. So on the topic of books, what are you mm-hmm. reading? Are you reading? Are you just completely burned out <laughs> from books? Like, don't bring a book near me for a while.
1: <laughs> I haven't done much reading of like, books for a while. Uh, But I was excited. I'm taking sort of a a few weeks to have some reduced workload and spent sort of reconnecting with my family after the intensity of working on this book. And I am reading a well, so I've been reading many books, but to my children, like my favorite series, the Oz series, and now the another one to my my kids. But that doesn't really count. But I am reading a business book right now of an author called named Barry O'Reilly. In a book called unlearn
0: Oh, uh, i think i've heard of that
1: uh and i'm loving it and actually because it's he says it talks about unlearning and relearning hmm. and, and i use the word relearn so much in uh in the book learning to lead leading to learn yeah very and, cool uh, barry, i got connected with barry he hosts a podcast too and we're going to talk um in a month or two yeah and so i thought i would read his book and i'm loving it so um yeah unlearned by barry o'reilly is what i'm reading right now
0: very cool i'd need to add that to my list too i've heard about that one the other one that's on my list for this month is Mindset. Trying to get through Tiny Habits, great, fantastic yeah. book, a ton of ideas. It's just taking me a while to get through it. I'm an audio book guy, and I don't know why uh, this yeah. one. I'm just struggling with it a little bit, but it's, it's it's really a great book.
1: Great, well, it's on my list as well. So I'm excited to be able to read uh, read some more. Yeah. And doing an audio book is on my uh, list for figuring out um, how to do in the coming, you know, three to six months as well. So oh, see but, you. But Read the book. You should have told book. me that.
0: <laughs> you might not want to mention that one to me because I'm <laughs> now I got to. No, no, I'm going to read the book. I'm going to go buy a copy, read it. I've read some of the notes and I've heard you speak at other places about it, and, and I'm certainly intrigued. And 31 reviews, five stars, perfect five stars on Amazon. There's definitely some magic there, right? Already.
1: Super honored.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's. You know, I I've contemplated writing a book. I also write a blog. And at some point in life, I probably scrapped together some of those ideas into a book. So I'm certainly inspired by what you've done here and uh, look forward to the day when you and I can sit together and talk about (laughs) the process of writing a book together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Happy to do so.
0: Yeah, very cool. Okay, so if people want to get a hold of Katie, what would be the best way to do that? Do you got any events coming up, anywhere people can meet you in person?
1: Well, I don't know about meeting me in person. I don't, we'll have to get through the pandemic yeah, for uh, right. a little bit. But uh, So a few ways to get in touch with me. First is my website has all the information you'd need, and that's K B J Anderson with an O-N. Uh, and the B and the J are from my uh, maiden name, which is now my middle name. So Katie Brian Jones Anderson. Okay. That's kbjanderson.com. And also you can go to the book website, which links to a page on my website, which is learning to lead, leading to learn.com. Yes. So both of those will get you to, and I have a ton of information in my blogs there, and you can sign up for my newsletter and follow the information about the book and some more behind the scenes stories about the books and webinars and things that i've done in the past i do need to update my events page because i have some exciting announcements for this week uh uh, that uh, yeah coming out that i'm going to be keynoting uh, a live event during the lean frontiers uh lean leadership week series in september that will be on september 14th a live keynote there it is and then Mr. Yoshino and I will both be keynoting a day of the Association for Manufacturing Excellence's yeah. now virtual summit in October. So we'll be together. So that'll be really exciting wow. as well. Very cool. Yeah, he'll be, be really late at night for him in Japan. I think it'll be like midnight, um, <laughs> but it's all right. He's yeah. a bit of a night owl. He'll he'll be OK. He'll yeah. be OK. Well, that's
0: in Toronto. Right. Amy? Uh,
1: yeah, it's now virtual. It was going to oh. be in Toronto okay. here. Yeah
0: yeah yeah okay so
1: yeah, every, everything's going virtual so the, the it was one of the hard things about deciding to move forward with publishing in a pandemic is that mr yoshino and i had planned all of these like a live you know in-person book tour in both europe and the united states and of course now you know that's not happening but the, if if that's the worst that's happened um for me because of the pandemic i can i can handle that and, you know we' was all have to we've all had to adjust to a new reality
0: yeah Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Katie Anderson and her newly released book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. Definitely one to check out. It's certainly on my reading list for August. Hopefully, Katie will get a chance to to connect soon and do do something like this again. What do you think?
1: Awesome. I'd love it, Calvin. Thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast.
0: It was an honor. It really was an honor and a pleasure to have you. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to to, to learning more from you and and seeing where this goes. So uh, keep up the good work, and we'll talk soon.
1: Awesome. Thank you. All
0: right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. This episode was brought to you by the good folks at Improver Technologies. If you like the show, you can find more just like it at Improver.com. That's I-M-P-R-U-V-E-R.com where you can learn more, do more, teach more, and transform your world. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.